Hey there everyone, it is Jeff from MCS Magazine. This week I have a few really cool surprises for you concealed carry enthusiasts out there. A couple things that I know you're not preparing for that you should be, as well as a special opportunity for you to not only become a truly prepared gun carrier, but to take part in a special project that I'm making available for only a short time. And I promise you're not going to want to miss this, so be sure to stay to the very end of this short podcast to get the full scoop. But first, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. Okay, to get started here, let me let me go ahead and give you a visual and ask you to complete this scenario as a concealed handgun carrier, all right? You're out grabbing a gallon of milk one evening when you notice that your gas tank is on empty and you decide to pull into a local convenience store to fill up. Now, as you begin pumping gas into your vehicle and of course, being the alert and aware sheepdog that you are, you notice a rough-looking man coming out from the shadows of the side of the store, and he begins walking toward you. Now, there's no other vehicles at the gas pump, so you figure that the only reason he's walking your way is to ask you for something, right? So you do a quick, indiscreet gun check just to make sure that it's there, and with a commanding voice, you address him while he's still a good 30 feet or so away. And you say, stop right there, please. Can I help you? Now, he's a little surprised that you spoke to him from so far away, but... He continues to advance as he's mumbling something about, hey man, I, I just wanted to see if you could help a guy out who's down on his luck. And so with a more direct voice, you tell him, stop right there. I don't have any money for you and I don't want any trouble. Please turn around and leave me alone. But the man is continuing to advance and he has his hands in the pockets of his hoodie. And since he didn't yield to either of your direct warnings, you reach back, you put your hand on your gun while shouting much louder, stop right there. Suddenly, you see a flash of metal coming out of his pocket and you quickly draw your weapon as you notice he also has a gun in his hand. Now, what does the rest of this virtual movie look like for you? Go ahead and think about it right now. What are you visualizing right now in this scenario? Now, if, if you're like any other red-blooded, gun-toting protector out there, you're lightning fast on your draw, your sights come right up into the center mass of his torso, you pull the trigger again, 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 until you see your attacker stumble, he falls down, he drops his weapon, and he's laying there motionless on the pavement. Now, let's go ahead and keep the movie going here. What happens after that, right? Like, you seek cover, you call 911, the police show up, right? along with a news crew and an ambulance. The bad guy gets hauled off to the hospital, and if he lives, he gets hauled off to prison. And you are the local hero who didn't ask for any trouble, but you rid the streets of one more scumbag that won't be out there targeting others who aren't as prepared as you. Now, does that sound about right? Do I, do I have the movie right in my head? Great, that's awesome. Like, I mean, that's why you carry a gun, right? That's why you train with it. But let's try a different movie in your mind, okay? Same scenario. Pull in to get gas. Only this time as you draw your weapon 
and the bad guy draws his, you both fire your weapons multiple times. You still see your attacker stumble. He falls down. He goes motionless. But then you check yourself for the source of that sharp pain that you noticed. And you see that you've been shot in the leg and the arm. And you're bleeding profusely. Okay, let me, let me give you another movie here. Okay, same scenario. Only this time, you're with your spouse and child or grandchild. All right? And one of the attacker's stray bullets went straight through the passenger side door panel. And your spouse or your child stumbles out of the vehicle, grasping their chest, struggling to breathe. And as they fall to the ground, they say it's getting harder and harder to breathe. They're clutching their chest. Then you notice blood and bubbles coming out of a hole in their shirt. That stray bullet pierced the lung, which is now collapsing on them. What would you do at that moment? Now, of course, you would call 911, right? Of course. But what's the address of where you're located? What if cell reception is poor in the area that you're in? What if no one else is around to help you? What if your attacker becomes conscious again? Will, it, is it, will an ambulance arrive before you or your spouse or your child or your grandchild fades to black right before your eyes? Now, no normal gun carrier would ever choose to finish the movie like that, right? Like that wasn't the outcome that you originally thought of as you were picturing this initial scenario in your mind. But my friends, this is real life. And in case you haven't noticed, bad things happen to good people, just like you and me. And like, I, I know you have the right gear for defeating an attack. You have your gun on you. I, I trust that you know how to use it. The question you need to ask yourself is, do you have the right gear for after the attack? When you may only have a minute or two to stop the bleeding before the love of your life or your child, that light of your life, bleeds to death right in front of you. You, you gear up and train for the best outcome, but can you honestly say that you're equally as geared up and trained for the worst case outcome? My guess is probably no. Now, as many of you know, I'm an, I'm an EDC gear junkie, right? Like EDC being everyday carry gear. I can almost promise you that I carry quite a bit more gear than any other concealed handgun carrier out there does. I don't, I don't know. I've never met anybody that carries as much stuff as I do. Now, maybe that makes me overly paranoid. Maybe it makes me, maybe it makes me over-equipped. I don't believe so because situations like this do happen and no one is ever prepared for it. Now, in the military, we had to be prepared for this stuff because we were on the battlefield, right? We know bad things happen out in combat. We know these things happen, which is why we have medical training. We have medical supplies on us. It's why we have a medic assigned with our unit so that there's always a first responder there, right? But we also have that gear on us. One, because so that that gear can be used on us, right? So, so a medic shows up, he uses that that gear that we have on us. He doesn't get, take his own gear. He takes it from medical, his other medical supplies, but we always kept like a bandage on us. That was part of your, that was part of the gear that you had to have with you, right? So we, we, we know that these types of things happen. It's a matter of whether or not you're prepared for it or not, okay? Now, again, I carry specific gear so that I can be prepared for a worst case scenario outcome. I don't want my child that I just, that I just protected in a, in a violent attack. Now I stand there helpless because they're bleeding in front of me and I don't have the right medical supplies on me 
Maybe I'm not even near my vehicle. Maybe I'm on the outskirts of a parking lot. Maybe who knows what the situation might be. Maybe it's not even an attack. Maybe it is a vehicle crash. Maybe I come across a vehicle crash. Maybe it's an active shooter scenario. Maybe it's in the office where a, a gunman comes into your office. Or maybe it's at the school. We know these things happen now, right? Again, we know they happen. That's not the question. The question is, are you prepared for those types of events? Yes, you have a gun, and most people just stop there. But are you prepared for the aftermath of what happens after that? Now, that's why I carry this gear on me. That's why I carry so much gear on me. For example, I carry a backup gun, I carry a tactical flashlight, and I carry an extra magazine on me. Now, many of you might carry at least one of those items as well. Most people don't carry any of those extra items. But this week, what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you 10 additional items that I personally carry on me as part of my everyday carry loadout when I go out that door. And my hope is that you'll begin to give these items a second thought. I, I promise you that for more than one of these, it's going to be the first time you've ever thought of these items because I do have a few surprises in here for you. But just be sure to stay to the end because I'm going to make it super easy for you to be just as prepared as I am with a special deal that I hooked up with you. Okay. But first, Here's my top 10 list of little known everyday carry gear for the concealed handgun carrier. All right, now, a few of these items are gonna sound like no-brainers to you and it'll be obvious why I carry them on me. The question isn't whether you can acknowledge its usefulness. It's a, it's a question of whether you are carrying that item yourself to be better prepared. That's what you need to go down this checklist for and say, okay, do I carry that? Yes or no? <laughs> All of these items you should be carrying it's a matter of which ones you are, all right? All right, so let's go ahead and start the list right now. Um, I'm gonna start out with some of the more obvious ones, but uh, number one is going to be a tourniquet. So a tourniquet is used for massive limb bleeding, something that direct pressure and a, and a dressing won't stop the bleeding on it. It, it might've uh, hit a, a, an artery. So you, you might be bleeding excessively and you might be able to, you might bleed out until you, unless you can stop the bleeding. So when that happens, the, the best way to do that is with a tourniquet, which is a, the modern ones these days, um, and, and this is important, uh, they can be done even on yourself. So they can be done with one hand. The, the old Boy Scout way is to take some sort of a rope or something, put it around, tie a stick off on it, twist the stick, right? It's constricting that that um that band that rope if you will i'm doing kind of going like old school on you right here so you twist that stick right until you see the bleeding the blood isn't coming out there now this isn't meant to be a a medical class i'm not giving you instructions i'm just kind of giving you a visual here you kind of rotate that stick you keep t tightening up that that band or whatever it, you're using for a tourniquet until it stops bleeding and then you tie off so that it doesn't spin back around right and this is a last this is a last last ditch way to do this because you're cutting off all the blood flow to that well most of the blood flow to that limb right so you if you tie a tourniquet if it's on there for too long you could end up losing the limb now it takes quite a while for that to happen but it's very uncomfortable it's extremely uncomfortable um, and it's only meant like if you if there's really like there's no way to stop that bleeding there but a tourniquet is uh, one of the items that you really should have with you because it's so fast to stop the bleeding on an extremity. Um, and if it's just you and you're performing 
your own first aid because there's nobody even around to give you first aid, then you need to be able to do it with one hand. And that's what the new tourniquets are really, really useful for. Okay, so that's number one. Item number two is some sort of a pressure bandage. Now, there are quick clot versions of this out there. It's not really necessary that you have quick clot. I, I, I like them personally, but really, all you really need for the bandage is just direct pressure and be able to tie it off so that it will stop the bleeding. You don't necessarily need like a quick clot or uh, you know, Celox, uh, any of those, the chemicals. Um, they, they are helpful, but you don't really need them. What you really do need, though, is some sort of a pressure bandage that you can use to be able to um, to be able to stop the bleeding on a wound and tie it off. Okay, so that's item number item number two. And we always had one of these in the military. Like that was one of the things that we were always issued. We always had it on us when we were out in the field or out on a, a combat mission. Like we always had a pressure bandage with us um, right on our on our gear so that somebody could um, stop the bleeding if we were shot. All right. Okay. Item number three. Um, is a chest wound sealer. So more experienced uh, concealed handgun carriers uh, are, are pretty familiar with this as far as the usefulness of it, but not necessarily carrying it. So a chest wound sealer, so going back to our, our movie that's playing there, like if there is a, now again, I'm not a first responder, I'm not a doctor, I'm gonna give you my best layman's description of this, but if a bullet pierces or even a knife can pierce the lung, if it, if it pierces the cavity there, Basically, the lung will will start to try and bring in air. It brings it in through the least um, kind of the, the the path of least resistance. So um, it it can start to pull in air from the outside, like through the chest wall, and try and breathe that way. Which is why with a, a sucking chest wound or something like that, you will you'll see bubbles coming out. Like air will be escaping as the lung closes down. The air can escape and it can have bubbles and blood coming out of the hole in the chest. Um, you, you might notice it on respiration. You might notice it on inspiration. So it, the breathing in or breathing out, you might notice that happening. That's a sign of like a, of a sucking chest wound. And that lung will slowly collapse there. It'll be harder and harder for that person to breathe. Uh, it could be a very traumatic wound and it could totally collapse that lung. Um, it can fill up their lungs if, if if they're if they're breathing in blood and they're swallowing like there's they can literally drown in blood if blood get if if the if the wound is traumatic enough you've got to be able to stop stop a sucking chest wound most of the time there's enough time if you have the right gear you can take care of it in time while first responders are coming all right so but that but item number three is a chest wound sealer now you might need two of them because if that wound go if that bullet goes all the way through the body. Then you've got an entry wound and an exit wound, and both of those wounds can bring in air. So you might need two sealers to be able to stop it from the back and stop it from the front, so that when they're breathing in, they're, breath they're breathing in through the, through the trachea, uh, th into their lungs the way that you normally would, and that'll help fill up the lung again. So it'll be easier for them to breathe because you're basically creating that vacuum again that that bullet uh, took away. All right. Okay. Item number four is kind of a no-brainer, and it's nit nitrile or nitrile. I'm not sure how you actually pronounce that, but it's but it's gloves. Um, you know, nitrile is is um, is non-latex. Some people are allergic to latex. Doesn't really. If you're not allergic to latex, it doesn't really matter. But uh, it might matter to the person that you're actually using them on. So I always recommend non-latex gloves. So. This is really because of bloodborne pathogens. If you've ever gone through any sort of a, a medical course, or if you've been in the military, anything like that, then 
you know the bloodborne pathogens, um, being able to uh, uh, get a virus from somebody or a disease from somebody that uh, because of exposure to fluids that they have, whether that's blood, whether that's mucus, um, semen, I, I mean, it could be any, any fluid you have this. Now, the most common bloodborne pathogens that you need to worry about when you're dealing with somebody that's, that's bleeding, and I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about maybe you or the, um, the, the loved one that you're with, you might know that they don't have, they, well, they could, they could have a bloodborne pathogen, right? You might know about that and you don't want to catch it yourself, so you need to be um, aware. But it could also be an active shooter scenario. You don't know what those people. You could be coming. You could come up on on a um, on a shoot. Somebody else could get shot, right? Like a, an innocent bystander could get shot. You don't know what their history is. It could be an active shooter scenario. It could be a car crash. You don't know what those things are. So you want to have this because the bloodborne pathogens are things like hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and of course HIV, right? Um, those are those are the things that we worry about the most, like with blood and things like that. And hepatitis B is the only one that that there's an actual vaccine for. So you could go and get a series of shots to be vaccinated against hepatitis B. Most people aren't going to go through that. Um, so you just need to be able to take the proper precautions and have those gloves with you. Okay, so that's item number four. Item number five is a medical information card. So I know a lot of you out there are on certain medications. You might have certain ailments, certain illnesses, um, certain health concerns that it would be good for a first responder to know about, right? So let's say that you're shot. Let's say that you're not, you're not even conscious when they show up, right? So you were able, you were shot, you were able to get a tourniquet on you and then you passed out. But fortunately you were able to call 911 or someone did or whatever. First responders come up, but does anybody know if this person has any medical concerns? I don't even know the person. I just came across them, right? So what if you're allergic to a certain type of medication or something, right? Or what do they need to be aware of? So it's always good to have medical information card on you somewhere that they can that they can get. Some people wear it on like a dog chain around the neck. Um, it might be in your wallet. I can tell you that first responders do go looking for this information if somebody does have a Red Cross card or something like that. Um, but it is good to have that information there, all right, as well as contact information. So uh, how, how would they, who would be the person that you want to have called to meet you out at the hospital, right? So all that information should be out on there. Your name, your, uh, yes, maybe the, maybe the bad guy shot you, ran off, took your wallet, and nobody has any clue who you are at all, right? So having a medical information card not in your wallet but on another part of your person is an important thing to have. All right. Okay. Item number six is some sort of a, like a razor. Now I, a couple of these items I have in an all in one, it's like a three and not an all in one, three in one rescue tool that has, it's a small little device and it has one of the things it has on it is a protected razor. Now why I like this more now I, I do carry a knife on me. I'm sure 95% of you out there also carry a knife as well. Uh, even whether it's for a tool or whether it's a backup weapon, whatever. Um, so yes, you could use that to cut through a seatbelt, to cut through clothing, to be able to get to a wound, to be able to provide first aid. Um, the reason why I like the, the three-in-one rescue tool and the razor that it has on it is because the razor is covered. It's meant to cut through a seatbelt, which of course is helpful, right? You can also use it to cut through clothing. But what I like about it is that it's TSA compliant. So I don't need to worry about 
you know, them saying, well, no, this is a weapon. No, it's not a weapon. It's obviously a rescue tool. All of the stuff that I'm talking about can, can travel with you on a plane, right? Because you never know when something's going to happen. You never, you can even get in a, in a plane crash, right? Who knows? But this is stuff I carry with me. I don't want to have to take out of my EDC gear to be able to go uh, get on a flight. So the reason, that's the reason why I like, um, the protected razor on a three in one, um, uh, tool here. Okay. Um, item number, uh, well, I'll just, yeah. So the next item is one of those other things, which is a glass breaker. So the, the three in one tool that I use has a glass breaker on it. It has a whistle also. It's not one of the 10 items that I'm talking about, but I like the whistle because, um, it allows maybe even a child to be able to use it. It's very high pitch and they can, they can call for help that way. If they don't have a phone and they don't have access to something like that, um, maybe, Nobody has, maybe somebody does have a sucking chest wound. Maybe they can blow out air, but can't scream loud enough or something like that. But, but, um, but anyway, the other item on it, item number seven here is a glass breaker tool. Um, ever since a, a good friend of mine, uh, Kevin Reeve, who's actually one of the um, instructors in our network, he's a survival instructor, told me about a situation. I think it was on the Los Angeles freeway. And I've told this, it's been a long time since I've told this story, but, um, there was a crash that happened. A woman got out, but the child didn't get out. And they were people were trying to get the child out. Uh, the the vehicle caught on fire. The child was trapped inside, um, and nobody could. Nobody knew how to, like nobody could break that window. Nobody. Somebody did get a fire extinguisher from a house that was nearby the the highway, but nobody knew how to use it. The child ended up dying, like burning right there in front of their parent. I mean, that's her how horrific is that, right? And it was all because people just didn't know how to respond in that in that situation. So having a glass breaker tool to be able to if it is an accident or if uh, you know if, if it's something like like that, then you you absolutely do want to have that in you. Fortunately, it's really easy with the like the three in one rescue tool sort of thing. All right. That's item number seven. Item number eight is a white chem light. So a chem light is that, you know, it's that plastic light. It's uh, usually about like four to six inches long and you, you snap it. It has a, a vial in the middle of it that when the chemicals combine, it glows in the dark, right? So um, I actually do carry a white chem light with me as part of my EDC gear. And the reason for that is um, there have been times where I've gone to use my tactical flashlight and it doesn't work. Like the battery is low on it. Really sucks, right? So... Um, if you are in a, and, and most, we know that 80% of most attacks happen in low light. That's a statistic that we all know, but are we prepared for it? So yes, I might have my flashlight on me, but I, one, I want to have a backup. So if my flashlight goes down, I want a guaranteed backup that doesn't rely on batteries with that white chem light. It gives off a good amount of light. I can break that. I can snap it. I can hang it off of something. I can hold it in my mouth and I can use that as my emergency light to be able to, um, be able to deal with the uh, the first aid treatment that I'm giving. Okay. Aside from that, it can also be used either by you or by somebody else to flag down first responders. If they're, you know, you don't want to see them circling around an area, but you, they're not coming to you because they don't see you, right? You're down behind the car providing first aid. Um, maybe somebody can take it and they can wave it, right? Like they can get somebody's attention with that. Maybe you can get a bystander's attention with that if you're trying to get help. So I like to have the chem light on me as my guaranteed backup illumination. That's item number eight. Now the next two are going to seem a little bit strange to some of you. All right. It's going to, and I can almost promise that hardly, probably nobody here has these last two items. All right. But, but hear me out. There's a reason why I carry these. 
And item number nine is a badge, a metal badge that has concealed uh, has concealed carry on it. So it's a concealed carry badge. Now you may have thought those were kind of dorky in the past, like who carries around a badge, you know, about I, I, I'm a concealed carry. Who, who do you show the freaking badge to anyway, right? Um, and and I'm not suggesting that you, and in fact, you check your local laws because I think it's it's illegal. I believe in like California, it might be, it might be illegal in California. I'm not really sure. But, but nonetheless, personally, I would, I would probably carry it somewhere anyway. And, and here's the reason why. In, in the current state of threat that we have, you as a concealed carry handgun operator, everybody is so freaked out now about active shooters and gunmen. In, and it doesn't matter where, right? We've got them in schools. We have them in movie theaters. We have them in parking lots. We have at political demonstrations. We have... You never know when somebody is going to break out a gun. Well, now what's happening is that people are seeing someone with a firearm and automatically assuming that they are an active shooter. So there was just, um, in fact, this week, there was just a, a shooting on a, uh, like outside of a campus. I think it was in Colorado. Uh, somebody, somebody might... I'm sure many of you know this, this story, or uh, you may have heard this on the news or whatever. But, but nonetheless, there was a fight that broke out outside of a club. And uh, one of the guys was trying to stop the fight. And he was a concealed handgun carrier. He had his weapon in, it looked like, from the video that I saw, it looked like it was in his pocket. Now, there were police there. I think there were campus police. They were armed police. Uh, they showed up to the fight. And as the one guy, the concealed carry uh, handgun guy, was trying to break up the fight, the weapon fell out of its, its holster or his pocket. It's hard to, hard to really see where it was. But it fell out onto the ground. Now, of course, what does he do? He goes to pick it up. What do the two police officers do? They shout, gun, gun, he's got a gun. They pull out their weapon. They fire on the concealed handgun carrier. I don't, I don't remember now I, I'm, if, uh, if he, I think he was killed. So I think he was he was shot dead by these police officers. Now this was a guy that was trying to be a good Samaritan. He was trying to maybe it was his buddy. He was trying to break up the fight or whatever. But but nonetheless, we're seeing these instances now. There was another situation in a Walmart where a guy was walking in. Another person saw that this person had a gun on them. Now the person was a concealed handgun carrier. The other guy saw the gun and he tackled him. And he was he was trying to yell to people like he's got a gun. He's got a gun. And he's trying to tackle him. He's trying to beat him up. He's trying to. You know, he doesn't. He was trying to save the people at Walmart. Well, this was a person, the ca- and the guy kept trying. He was yelling, "I, I'm a, I carry, con- I have a concealed handgun. I have a concealed. I have a license. I have a license. I have a license." And it was all sorted out. Nobody got shot. Nobody got hurt. But, but that's that's where we live. That's what we live in these days. So let's say that you do shoot a bad guy, right? But somebody else, a bystander who is another concealed handgun carrier, sees you. And thinks that you're a gunman because that's what we think, right? All we see, guy, gun. We don't see another victim. We don't see whatever. We don't see what's going on. You just see a person with a gun. What are you going to do? You're going to draw your weapon, right? Because you don't know what the situation is. So one of the things that you can do to be prepared is to have this badge. Because if somebody does see a badge, like if you're able to pull out the badge and show a badge, and I'm not saying impersonate a police officer. I am not saying do that at all. You do not want to do that, okay? You're just going to get yourself in legal hot water. 
but people let people can assume that it is a a police badge but it is just a concealed carry badge and all you do is you say someone call 911 someone call 911 you just hold up the badge right hold up the badge now if it if there are other police on in the area in fact we should do a whole other podcast just on actions when police show up but um you do not want to be holding your badge and the gun at the same time like preferably if there's no threat obviously you reholster your weapon right but that's if you know that there's no other threat you don't want to have that out but your badge will help show others around you they'll they'll recognize you as a good guy and that's what your badge is for it's to show that you to police or to other people that are around that you are one of the good guys don't tackle me don't shoot me right but that's why I carry a concealed carry badge with me, all right? Okay, item number 10 are handcuffs. And, okay, so let me explain this, all right? Why would you carry handcuffs? Uh, first of all, I, I don't carry metal handcuffs with me. And again, check your local laws. There might be areas where people are that you're not allowed to, to carry handcuffs. The ones that I use are made out of nylon. They are single-use um, they are single use handcuffs. They basically, they're, they're two ropes, right? That you put the hands in, you pull them tight. And there are these little spikes within the, like the, there's like a plastic, um, a plastic wedge that, that the rope comes through. And basically the, the rope can come through one way and it can't come out the other way. So when you put these on, they're on, you're not slipping back out of them. They're staying on. It's hardcore nylon. So when that happens, you want to, um, you know, so you can put that on. Now, why, what do you need handcuffs for? Well, that person, that, that bad guy that you shot that went down, that looks like they're unconscious. What if they do wake back up? What if they wake up and they, let's say you kick the weapon away or you put the weapon in your pocket, right? But they wake up and they had another weapon on them or, um, they just, they just get up and they start to fight you. Maybe they grab a knife. Maybe they grab a brick. Maybe they, whatever they grab, they, 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 they wake up, they decide, what, what, what happened? What happened? And then they realize that you shot them and that they attack you, right? So there's still a threat until they're hauled off by the police or by, by the ambulance. So um, now I don't recommend that you just stick around there, right? If I don't, you, you want to get behind cover, you want to be, I mean, that's the best way. I'm not saying go up and just handcuff people, right? And certainly don't do this like for citizens arrest or whatever, you can get yourself in illegal hot water that way too with, um, with restraining somebody that way. Very, very touchy, uh, touchy area there, right? But let's say it's a home defense scenario, right? So the person's in your home and you're, you've got a, you have your spouse or you are bleeding out right there. You can't just get in the car, go away and, and then call 911 and get, and get help to that area. You, there might be a reason why you have to be in that same location as the bad guy. Because of that, I want that person, it, should they wake up, I don't want them to become another threat and kill me or kill somebody else or whatever. So I want them to be handcuffed, restrained, so that if they do get up, they are easier to contain or easier to fight back against or whatever. All right. So, so that's why I say... Oh, you should always carry handcuffs for that type 
of a scenario, all right? So that was item number 10. I know this sounds like a lot of stuff for you to carry with you, right? Like you, you're probably picturing me as like the Michelin man. Like I go out the door and I've just got all this gear, this like, where do you put all this stuff? Well, I recognized this need a long time ago. And for the past year and a half, we've been developing our own prototype for our own version of an ankle holster that carries this gear. So I, I say ankle holster. The It's an EDC gear. It's an everyday carry gear holster for your ankle. Um, and I've owned a few of these in the past, with, and I had high hopes that they were exactly what I've been looking for, but I've been disappointed every single time. Either it's been too big, and I don't even know how, why they even made these things. Like, they're too big. You can't even conceal them. Like, it, your, your pant leg doesn't even go over the item. Or it's just, it's really uncomfortable. You sweat a lot in it. It's not a good material. It's, it's canvas. Some, you know, it's just, it's material that makes you sweat a lot. Some of them are too small. They don't hold enough items. They maybe are only made for a tourniquet, which really isn't what I'm looking for. And they're ungodly expensive for a lot of these things. Or they're just, you know, they're just uncomfortable. So, like I always do, like if I can't find, if I if I have a true need for something, and I hope you see now that there is a need for this type of gear, right? If you're going to carry concealed, then what I always do, if I can't find it, I'm going to make it. And so I decided to build the ultimate tactical concealed carry weapon medical kit holster. And I built this for myself, but we are getting ready to offer this well, we're deciding whether or not we want to offer this as an item for our lineup for our concealed carry gear. And so what I want to know is if you would like one of these items as well. So here's what I did. I put together a special video for you that's going to explain what we're doing to be able to, you can get in on the front end of this project. And if we, if we don't get enough people, then we're not going to go ahead and put this out there, right? But I want to know how many of you out there want to be on the front end of this project that you also see the need to be truly prepared and concealed carry and you are going to uh, you're going to love what we put together so I want to show you the prototype and I want to give you more details about the project itself you can go ahead and all you need to do is go over to see my video over at www.mcsmagazine.com slash medkit m-e-d-k-i-t www mcsmagazine.com slash medkit m-e-d-k-i-t all one word all right so go ahead and go to that uh go to that url go to that website watch my video check out what we're doing i really would like for you to be a part of this i really look forward to uh to uh, getting your feedback on this and everybody and um and until our next modern combat and several broadcast this is jeff anderson saying prepare train and survive <laughs>